The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now that is a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the long-awaited American TV miniseries for Disney Plus, has finally come out. We're four episodes in at the time of this podcast, and we're going to do two episodes at a time. And this is a series that has been extensively complicated. So, <laughs> yeah, this was originally set to be a film instead of a miniseries, and hijinks ensued over that when the failure of the uh, solo Star Wars story and the failure of the sequel trilogy happened. And there were other plans in place for this when the series was starting to be retooled into a to a new new miniseries format instead of being the TV instead of being a film. And there were some rewrites complications, and there's also the f- whole famous story that it was originally going to have a much darker darker tone than what we're getting here. Because Star Wars can't be dark, even though Revenge of the Sith is the darkest Star Wars content yet, with the Clone Wars series being a close second. But okay, let's not do that. But one of the more infamous events that were revealed is that the original idea was apparently going to involve the legend, the would-be Sith Lord of the Legends timeline, Darth Cryot. Also known as when he was a simple man as a Shad Het. So, yeah, he was originally supposed to be in the story, apparently, from what rumors were saying. I don't know if that's 100% true, but okay. But, yeah, they had canceled their planned films following the failure of Solo Star Wars series, and then Lucasfilm's focus changed to making the series for streaming services such as The Mandalorian. After that series was successful, well, they decided to push for more content. So we got the Obi-Wan Kenobi series with everyone's favorite Obi-Wan actor that's not Alec Guinness is Ewan McGregor. <laughs> uh, Ewan McGregor, it's been a long, long time. <sighs> so, yeah. This will be divided into three separate episode podcasts to discuss the episodes, 
And we're talking about part one and two, which means we also have to talk about another famous character who's lately making ways through Star Wars for mostly the wrong reasons, for reasons I'll never get. Reva. So let's get into this. So we start off at Coruscant of all places. My God. And we see younglings practicing with the Jedi Master. Then clones come in and start shooting up the place because this is Operation Nightfall and everyone hates you. <laughs> so, yeah, this is actually a pretty intense sequence. I'm like, we know what's gonna happen because, well, this whole event's going on, but I've always wanted to bring this up. I, I'm always curious, I wouldn't be alright, I would be alright if we got the full scope of what went down on Operation Nightfall. We know the aftermath, we know several sequences, like Baby Yoda escaping somehow, Quinlan Boss might have also escaped the events there. I mean, like, even though it was confirmed in Revenge of the Sith and the home that he was at Boss Pity, but okay. But yeah, the younglings and the Jedi make a run for this near near Kitty was take until they had to do a camera cut, and we see Jedi fighting being storm fighting the future stormtroopers, aka the clone troopers. Yeah, the Jedi is kicking butt, and it's not very as all choreographed. It's all like this is the style they're going for. It's very them trying the desperate to f like they're swinging wildly and all that. Like they're realizing, okay, we don't know what's going on. The clones certainly attacking us, and we have to protect the kids because the clones are also shooting at them. So yeah, the fight continues, and then eventually the Jedi teacher is killed as the younglings cuddle around gather around around the fallen Jedi and they say they run. Now notice that there is a black one in there. I'm pretty certain for 100% fact that that is the character we're going to see later on in this episode as an Inquisitor. So yeah, Order 66 is being executed as the Jedi are falling and as the temple is being sacked. With Palatine taking over the speakers and, and repeating Execute Order 66. Execute Order 66. We cut to 10 years later and head to Tatooine. So, this is the thing I'm gonna say. Is everyone starting to get sick of Tatooine? I, th this is the thing that bugs me. Like, <laughs> lately people, I've been noticing this, like I think people are getting really sick of Tatooine because it's been used so much. Like the Mandalorian start using Tatooine, the Book of Boba Fett used Tatooine, Obi-Wan Kenobi's doing Tatooine. I won't be surprised if Andor suddenly goes to Tatooine. And then we had Jakku in the sequel trilogy for reasons I'll never understand. And then we end it with being on Tatooine in the nihilistic ending that we got. One day I'll probably explain why I call it a nihilistic outlook that is not at all hopeful. But yeah, at least this one makes more sense as opposed to, hey, let's have, let's go back to, why can't, like I said this before, can we go to a different planet that has not been explored in live action? Can we go to Nashada? Can we go to Nalhata? Or is it because this is cost effective more and we could just be cheaper here? It's because it's nothing but a giant just ball. But yeah, it's 10 years later and life is pretty much the same on Tatooine as Imperial ships start scaling across the city and they start panicking. So yeah, an Inquisitor ship to be exact is landing on the planet and long and behold we get the arrival of two ultimate badasses. 
the Grand Inquisitor, and the Third Brother, along with Riva, the Second Sister. Yeah, when I saw the so this is the thing, the Grand Inquisitor's arrival onto the scene really anger people because I say this delicately. The Grand Inquisitor does not look like what he's supposed to be. Like his head is more normal shaped. It's not the pronounced style that he was given in the fit like he was given in the animation. And then people will say, well, he's an anime character. There's probably a big difference. And I was like, okay, fine, but they have a live-action version of his species, and they were given pronounced features. Why can't the Grand Inquisitor get why can't they get the same makeup team or look at the films they're talking they say they love so much? But okay. But yeah, the third brother shows up, he's been mostly there for effect, and we get the angry, for some reason, infamous character who's constantly angry about everything, Reva. And what they're here for is simply Inquisitor's business. They're hunting Jedi. Be very, very quiet. We're hunting Jedi. So they go to a local bar, and what seems to be a hotel of sorts, and they interrogate everybody, and they talk about how the Jedi code is like an itch, and how they call out for the Force and whatnot, and how they can't help themselves to be the altruistic force of good. That ends very badly for for everybody involved because, um, <laughs> yeah, it gives himself away when Reva tries to kill one of the guards, and now the hunt begins. But the Grand Inquisitor is naturally pissed at Reva for being efficient, saying, You are reckless. And Reva says, Why chase after scraps and saying they should be hunting for bigger prey? And say he and then Grand Inquisitor says he is not yours to find. We are past this third sister. So you know, I will not warn you again. You will forget this fixation with Kenobi, or I will leave you of your duty. Okay, this is the question I have. How does Reva know Kenobi's alive? Like, Anakin knows he's alive, Darth Vader, because he was the last one to see him. But why does Reva think he's alive? Why does everyone in the Grand Inquisitors think he's dead? When Vader had told them all, oh, by the way, we're hunting Kenobi. If you find any details on him, could you please let him know? Please let me know so that I can hunt him down myself, and if you try and engage him, I will strangle you all if you somehow survive this. So, yeah. This is the thing that bugs me about Reva. The actress is good in her role, but I don't get why she's constantly pissed off. I'm like, sort of, she's obsessed with becoming the new Grand Inquisitor, apparently revealed in Episode 3, but I'll get to that when I can. I just don't get why she's somehow knowing things that shouldn't have been known like i get like i'm pretty certain that because she was at operation i fall she knows anakin's darth vader because she was there okay fine we could get that but i don't know how she has this deep hatred for kenobi so speaking of kenobi he's working at a meat factory your plant i can respect the humble work so, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi's working on a meat department. Oh, that poor bastard. And if only if he had a boss that was being a complete asshole about it, then we'll get this. Oh, wait, he does have a boss that's a complete asshole. Oh, okay. 
So, Obi-Wan is tempted to take action, but decides not to because he's trying to hide. Trying to live the life of someone in solitude. Poor bastard. Knowing nothing more than being a Jedi, he goes ahead and takes his typical ride around this desert, which uh, he usually does in order to look after Luke and then go to his cave. Yeah, one lives in a secluded cave. Oh, it turns out uh, there's a Jawa that's been stealing his stuff, but uh, that's a different subject. So, yeah, Obi-Wan's just standing around, sitting around, living out his days, waiting for the day for, ben, for Uncle Ben, for Uncle Owen, I mean, to, you know, let him train Luke. And Obi-Wan is apparently not bathing. And there's a Jawa that he somehow knows. I'm pretty certain that Jawa was viciously slaughtered long ago, long from here from now. You know, episode four. So, yeah, the Jawa's selling a toy and also keeps stealing his stuff, so I'm surprised that one hasn't done anything. And... Yeah, Obi-Wan is told that there's a, there's a Jedi, and yeah, he's kind of being reminded of the past and keeps having PTSD flashbacks and past prequel material. Sadly, they did not feature Clone Wars flashbacks in this retooled re to live action because that would have been way more expensive. But yeah, so Obi-Wan is continuing his daily life, traversing through time and through the scorches of the desert miserable and all that, overlooking the city, overlooking the o Lars' residence, seeing Owen, Lars, and Luke Skywalker watching over him, as Luke seems to have a dream for adventure, and this spawned a million memes. <laughs> so later on in the night, uh, there is Obi-Wan meets the Jedi that's on the run. And Obi-Wan tells him to dump the lightsaber into the desert and just live a normal life. But yeah, he cannot fathom that philosophy, Nara. And it does not end well for him, sadly. Meanwhile, as that goes on, Leia's getting dressed. So yeah, we cut to Alderaan. Uh, then Leia turns out to be escaping and is channeling her inner Anakin Skywalker by living the life of an of wanting to live a life of adventure and how she knows her ship so well, along with having a dutiful robot companion. Uh, the Skywalkers always befriending robots. And heck, Leia's more aware of things because Leia tends to see robots as sentient beings. Oh no, once that eventually happens in Solo A Star Wars Story, then Leia will be pissed. So yeah, as that continues to go on, Owen, Owen after getting, finding out that Obi-Wan left a toy for Luke, uh, Owen actually gets pissed and tells him to stay away asshole. So yeah, he wants Luke to live a normal life, which is a terrible idea considering he's the last hope for the galaxy. And yeah, considering what happens to the Owen, to the Lars soon in a few years' time, yeah, that, that's gonna be, uh... That's gonna end badly. By the way, so this timeline takes place 
nine years before the events of A New Hope. Question, uh, what the hell happens between now and then? Between then and now that would lead to, lead to Obi-Wan looking like Ewan McGregor to looking like Jenis? Like, yeah. So then the Inquisitors arrive and are naturally looking for the Jedi that's hiding, and Reva is naturally pissed off and threatening to kill people, and cuts off someone's hand, and then sees Lars. And Lars doesn't say it reveals he's not a fan of the Jedi, and says if he ever saw them, he would hunt them, he would shoot them off his property. And we remember how lightsabers work. That's great. So third sister is continuously uh, pissing off the Inquisitors, and yeah, he, he once again says to drop the Kenobi nonsense because, you know, we can't have progress for Kenobi. And Rima even says they've been looking in the wrong place. Actually, they, they're actually right next to him. Oh god, add to the weirdness that's gonna happen. So yeah, that all breaks down, and... Then, Leia has this big dinner festival she's at, and she scolds scolds uh, an older person who an, her cousin sort of. Uh, and they know. And how? Okay, this is the thing I'm gonna ask. How does Leia know she's not really an Organa? Yeah, you see, this is the problem here. This is like a story that's for some reason breaking continuity. And when we get to part two, oh my god, that's gonna break all the continuity in the world. But yeah, Leia owns this upstandish boy, and I'm pretty certain he's drowning in his sorrows now, realizing I just got owned by a ten-year-old. What has become my life? So, yeah... Uh, Bail Organa, played by our famous Bail Organa actor, and Leia have this conversation about how she's not a real Organa, but Bail tries to reassure her she is a real Organa, and how she will be perfect with the job of a senator because she doesn't like politics. Which, um, okay, I'm gonna ask this question again. Uh, how the hell does she not know, she, how the hell does she know she's not an Organa and that she's adopted? And how come she hasn't asked that she's, who her parents were? Like, we never got a scene like that. But yeah, Leia's on the run again, escaping and trying to be her free spirit. And she's captured by bounty hunters. Yeah, that, that ended badly. See what happens when you run off, Leia? Your free spirited will get you killed. So when that happens, Obi-Wan is then taunted by Bail Organa and... Bail Organa and his wife uh, tell him, okay, so our daughter's been kidnapped. We need you to come out hiding Obi-Wan and rescue her. Obi-Wan once again said, what is refusing and says, you can you can ask someone else. You, I can't do it anymore. I'm not the Jedi I used to be. And I was like, and then when he brought up, a, you could ask anyone else. Uh, and, say, and Bail says it's too risky. Okay, I'm just gonna retort this and, and stop me at my reasoning, but um They could ask Ahsoka. She is part of the Rebel Alliance by this point. Why not ask her? Yeah, are they trying to keep it from Ahsoka as well? 
But Obi-Wan tries to say that Luke is the more important one, but, uh, yeah. Uh, they have a reminder that you realize this is, um, Anakin's daughter, so she's just as powerful. But, yeah, Obi-Wan is then witnessing with the town that he's at when he gets his animal, realizing the Jedi he was trying to tell him to just hide is dead. So... Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that that was probably a bad idea. So anyways, Bail Organa shows up in the cave all covered up in a hood, and Obi-Wan's naturally like, dude, that's a stupid idea. Why did you come here? And... Bail Organa tries to reassure Obi-Wan to, to help out, and saying there's no one he trusts more with his, ch with his child than him. Ahsoka... You could ask Ahsoka... Was that just asking too much? But yeah, Leia tries to escape, but uh, the one of the bounty hunters goes ahead and says, yeah, you're screwed, and destroys her robot friend. Obi-Wan then travels across the desert and gets his lightsaber. And it's revealed these bounty hunters were hired by Reba to look for Obi-Wan. You're really pushing it here, aren't you? So yeah, Obi-Wan is then motivated to take on the throne, take on the sword once more as he travels off world to rescue Princess Leia Organa Skywalker. And thus ends part one. So yeah, part one, pretty, pretty phenomenal start, showing, setting up the stage of everything going on and how we'll eventually get Obi-Wan to get his Algenis form. I'm trying to wonder how he looks like the way he does from 10 years ago to looking like, well, uh, Algenis, but I don't know, Tatooine Sun may have done it. We'll be back after these messages and ad break, and then we'll cover part two of this. And oh god, there is a lot to be said about part two. Take care. We're back. Let's finish the story saga off with part two of Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. Oh boy, this is where everything starts to fall apart. So we travel to another planet, which looks like Narshada, but sadly is not Narshada. It's called, um, a planet called Dayu. I mean, you could have just went with Narshada, but, uh, okay, whatever. So, they go to Dayu, and Obi-Wan begins his investigation, and he asks the whereabouts of a ship, but they reveal that they tend to keep things hidden. And there's something else, as everyone travels throughout, throughout the city square and sees all these criminals and whatnot, the, the wretched hive of scum and villainy. He meets something shocking. He sees a clone trooper. Revealing that a veteran wants a warm meal. So once again, I am reminded once again to remind you all that Palpatine is a complete and utter dumbass in this universe. I will not forgive him for that. Because... <laughs> how do you look at, the, look at this army of clones and say, I am going to fire you all. You are bred from Mandalorian but I'm going to fire you all because I just need to be a psychotic dumbass. 
So you fire the clones, and now look at them. They're poor, they have nowhere to go, they have no benefits. Yeah, they were doomed to fail, and their advanced aging really doesn't help them. But we never see that clone again. I thought when I saw this episode, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, maybe he's gonna show up out of nowhere and save Obi-Wan Kenobi from being captured because he clearly recognized him from the war. Like, anyone could recognize him. But Sally, that was not the case, and yeah. And then, um, Obi-Wan to ask for a location for a girl, and for who he calls as his daughter, because he can't say who exactly, because that will end badly. But, um, he's given the drugs. Yeah. And a little kid, a little punk kid, just asked to, hey, this is a prize for you. And, yeah. Yeah, it's clearly obvious. Uh, so this Jedi, and I use that term loosely, Reveals that he is trying that he will give safe passage to Corellia and has contact and has a contact that will allow them and has the force and yada yada yada. He's a scammer. Using magnetic tricks and yeah. Yeah. He's a... Uh, yeah. Obi-Wan is actually pissed. And yeah, that's uh, Oh dear. <laughs> so, yeah, Obi-Wan tries to play dumb, and naturally he just can't take it anymore and breaks his stuff. So, yeah. Obi-Wan's given directions, and let's just say this. It, it's gonna, he does this classic st stroking of his beard, which was awesome. Then he works at a chemical factory for a little bit in disguise. Yeah, I, I was just as shocked as you. And naturally, he goes to rescue the girl after getting into a fight. And naturally, he's actually getting... And then the gangsters realize, realize this is Obi-Wan and realizes... Oh my god, I thought you'd be smarter than to risk everything. And here's the thing I'm going to say. I like that Obi-Wan is actually showing his uh, age here. Because he doesn't have the same skills he used to have, or especially with the Force. And yet he still kicks their ass. But he still struggles with this. Oh, and then he poisons all of them <laughs> with the spice the girl gave her gave him. So Reba is actually an angry woman and wants to go ahead and get her answers. And realizes Kenobi escaped and is pissed off. But uh yeah. Obi-Wan beforehand finds Leia and and reveals he's gonna get her out of there. After Leia tries to beat the crap out of him, thinking he was a thinking he was an imposter. So yeah, Reva, yeah, Reva learns the location that. Oh my God, what did you guys do? And I'm going to be pissed. And Leia and Obi-Wan have to put on disguises to cover their tracks. And the Grand Inquisitor is arriving and is naturally pissed at what uh, Reva did. Because revealing that Obi-Wan was right the whole time. That Obi-Wan was alive and Reva was right the whole time. You gotta find a way to scold or steal. We have an agenda to keep up, Kathleen Kennedy. So, yeah. 
Rita and the Great Inquisitor are not getting along. And Rita, because she wants to continue burning that bridge, decides, okay, put out a publication that we're going to hunt down Obi-Wan, and the whole city will be after him. And then the fake Jedi guy and the little kid punk goes ahead and says, oh, that's embarrassing. Okay, um, let's find him first. And actually, you're assumed to think he's going to hunt him down as well because of the money he has on him, because of the amount of money and the fact that he broke his con. Uh, yeah, that, that ended badly. Leia, later on, during this hideout, finds out who Obi-Wan is and then thinks that he's just uh, a criminal or something and tries to make a run for it because you have to make the original trilogy characters be complete dumbasses, even if they're kids. <laughs> okay, even from the logistical standpoint, there's a problem here. Reva is naturally curious and is hunting down Obi-Wan and, and tries to catch up. And we get some insane choreograph as the guy tries to play here, as the fake Jedi guy tries to play hero and tries to redeem himself, so to speak, and tries to get him, tries to get him and the child away and tells him there's a ship waiting for you. Have I, you'll have your identities ready. But uh, they're about to put the station on lockdown. Um, but he directs them to a cargo port, saying it's fully automated and will take them to a place where they can help help them. So he tries to redeem himself, saying, "I got that family safe, and I'm going to help you from here." Though you left them poor, more so. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Grand Crystal cuts off some guy's poor, poor thing. I'm not going to say it. But Riva is naturally in pursuit and encounters the criminal, the the uh, criminal. Yeah, um, yeah, he he screwed. If I, I am surprised, Riva, with how the character's been portrayed so far as an angry woman, has not just gutted him, saying, "Yeah, you're 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 not Jedi." Like, oh my God, we're really doing this. Uh, yeah. And then she uses the force to get his mind and then breaks him. Surprisingly, she does not kill the guy. So. <laughs> yeah, Obi-Wan and Leia continue their duo being a, co a comedic pairing because child and old man, death and a post apocalyptic event. Oh, I've definitely not seen that before. And Riva decides to finally confront Obi-Wan. And as that goes on, Riva tries to taunt Obi-Wan as Leia reaches the cargo port ship to get ready for the fully automation. And yeah, Riva then makes this stunning reveal. She says she's gonna take Obi-Wan to him and that Lord Vader will be pleased. Much to Obi-Wan's shock. Yeah, Obi-Wan gets shocked, and then Riva taunts her, saying, Oh, you didn't know. He's alive. Anakin Skywalker is alive. And he's been looking for you for a long time. So, yeah, let, let me get to this part. This scene where Obi-Wan learns that Anakin's alive is um, is shocking 
in how good Aaron McGregor is as Obi-Wan. Like, he goes from, like, he looks kind of relieved that he did not kill Anakin, but he's shocked and horrified knowing that if he had done what he needed to have done all those years ago, the galaxy probably be less um, under terror, under the fist of, of Lord Vader. And Reva vows to deliver him to, well, Vader, which I'm pretty sure Vader would be pissed. And naturally, the Grand Quizzer comes in to ruin everything because he's a man. I'm like, that's my conspiracy theory. I'm probably wrong. And if I am, I am. But yeah, the Grand Quizzer says, Third sister, I can't stand the reek of your ambition no longer. I mean, like, I'm a Sith, so I shoot. So... After Reva tries to convince him to do to do logical stuff like actually work together, the Grand Inquisitor, being a dumbass, decides to continue to be a dumbass and say, Stand aside, third sister, and I will be the one to end this. So Reva does that, and as he prepares to finally end this threat and tell her to watch and learn, she kills the Grand Inquisitor. Reva taunts the Grand Inquisitor as he lays dying, saying, who's in the gutter now? I must stress, he's in Rebels. And you just killed him in Obi-Wan Kenobi, which takes place several years before that event of Rebels. Okay, allow me to explain why this is a problem. So, we could probably still get the Grand Quizzes showing up in the last two remaining episodes of the series, but the fact that he's been gone the whole time throughout the rest of the series so far, and the fact he'll just pop out of nowhere is kind of a cheap trick. Like, they even try, they even act like he's dead. Like, the third sister says he's dead, Vader doesn't seem to care. I'm like, why would he? And no one else seems to be talking about, hey, is the Grand Inquisitor all right? Is he in a medical capsule? Is he recovering? Will he survive his injuries? Nope, we never hear any of that. We're just let you assume he's dead and go along with it because we because everyone somehow never watched Rebels or even heard of what happened in the show. So, yeah. And even... And here's the thing. Even the music seems to take a weird turn with it. So, remember how... <laughs> And, and then I was thinking, oh god, are they actually going to go with it? Please tell me they're actually going to go with something interesting, but then if I have hope that I'm going to be dashed again, because Star Wars lately does that a lot, so I'm not even going to try, where the music suddenly takes this turn like, wait, what, was that supposed to happen? I, wait, was that supposed to happen? So, yeah... Are they going multiverse logic now, saying that this is an alternate timeline where the events still happen, but Reva's going to become the Grand Inquisitor and take the place of, of the former Grand Inquisitor? In which case, that kind of retcons all of Star Wars Rebels' his first season, and also retcons part of season two, because he does show up again as a spirit. Um... Yeah... This is a continuity snarl that ha that will likely be addressed and reveal the Grand Quizzers alive. Or they'll go the cheaper route and say, You want to learn how the Grand Quizzers alive and in Rebels again? Oh, well, buy this comic for, for, 
$4.99 and get the incentive variant cover for the spoiler details for $50.99 in order to learn how he's actually a clone. So yeah, that allows everyone to escape. Dumb idea. And we even see the ending of the Grand Inquisitor's dead corpse. So they're clearly emphasizing that he's dead. Clear I remember that. As Reva screams from the heavens saying, you, We will find you! You can't escape Obi-Wan! And so basically she's doing that, We'll meet again, Obi-Wan! So she's clearly borrowing from the Green Goblin in terms of insanity. As Obi-Wan comes to the realization Anakin's alive and calls out to his name. And Anakin Skywalker awakens on Mustafar, all pissed off in his out of his suit, and he back to tank. And I've got to be real, he's a lot more muscular than I thought. But yeah... Darth Vader is alive and well. He's ready to be pissed. Yep. Obi-Wan is a dead man. So that was part one and part two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's pretty good for these for the pilot episodes that launched together. They're on the same day. So I'll give a credit for that. Uru McGregor is great as Obi-Wan. And his acting ability is on par. And I love Deborah Chow's directioning here and the shots done with it. Reba is still mixed on this and the continuity snarl that we got. Oh dear. The continuity snarl that the Grand Inquisitor is dead. If he's alive, then how did that happen? And yeah. We'll find out probably in the last two episodes it will be revealed that he's actually alive and is healing and then everybody gets killed. But there is a problem I have. How does Obi-Wan not know that Anakin was alive the whole time? He thought he was... Like, okay, I could probably buy that he didn't know he was alive for, like, maybe a year or two. But ten years? Does Obi-Wan not hear anything brought up in the news? Like, I know this is Tatooine, but they have news, right? That... Oh, by the way, uh, Obi-Wan is... Anyways, Anakin Scott... Darth Vader is currently rampaging the planet over here, and he's probably on his way here. Um, yeah. So, yeah. This is a confusing thing. <laughs> Very confusing. Like, even... Yeah, like, even in the epilogue, like, this reminds me of James Lucino's Dark Lore Ri Dark Rise of Darth Vader, which takes place, if I'm correct, about in the immediate aftermath of Revenge of Sifts, and Obi-Wan learns right now, that right, right away, honestly, that Vader is alive, and he talks to Qui-Gon and tells him that Luke will learn his father's identity when the time is right, and that Vader will never return to Tatooine as it represents a past the Sith Lord wants to forget forever. Establishing why Vader never returns to Tatooine until way later in the comic books, looks when he's forced to as punishment by the Emperor because he knows it will mess with his head. So... So, yeah, I, I don't get the the route they went with where Obi-Wan doesn't know for 10 years, like, 
it could have been more interesting if they just showcased Obi-Wan as a prologue scene where Obi-Wan learns Anakin Skywalker in the immediate aftermath is alive of Revenge of the Sith and has this horrifying nightmare and then he tries to, and then you instead of doing the epilogue where Obi-Wan is in contact with Qui-Gon he is instead left in the unknown and just realizes he has to really keep hidden for a long while to protect him like it would have added more to the anxiety status of the story for Obi-Wan like he has to learn okay Darth Vader's alive and he's pissed he'll try to look for me all I can do is hope and I wouldn't be able to have told him in the news like yeah so <laughs> yeah part one and part two for what we got in this new canon version is good Uber McGregor like I said is awesome Deborah Chow's directing is great the script is it for part one is awesome part two is serviceable but we'll get part three and part four later for me on my end on the podcast while I talk more about those two episodes. But that's going to be later down the road, and we'll be back again and in the next coming days, probably later Wednesday when episode five launches. But we'll see, depending on how everything goes. So stay tuned for this last outro. This was Neo Reality Collective. Feel free to check them out of content. Enjoy this last ad break and outro, and we'll see you all again next time. Take care. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.